Well, we do begin this morning with the Word of God itself. This is what unifies our hearts together. This is what brings our voices together so that our prayers begin to sound not the same. We're not praying the same thing, but united in what we are bringing to the Lord together. John chapter 17, I want to read the entirety of this passage once again because, frankly, we need it. We need to hear uh, this most wonderful of prayers that Christ prays. We talked about, and we have talked about, that it's not unusual for us to read throughout the Gospels Jesus going off to pray. What is unusual is for us to be able to listen in on those prayers, for us to be able to to hear the prayer of Jesus, the content of Jesus. And this one in particular is often called the Holy of Holies of the Gospel of John, John 17, because we are hearing perfect communion, perfect fellowship, between the Father and the Son. If we want to pray rightly, we should mimic Christ. But certainly we can't pray this prayer the way he did because certain things here only Jesus can do. But the themes, the focus, the heart of what Jesus is praying to the Father should be our heart as well. John 17, listen to the heart of our King as he perfectly communes in prayer with his Father. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you, you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What a Christ-centered, Christ-honoring, Christ-worshiping, Christ-glorifying prayer. Father, glorify yourself as you glorify me. Is that? That's the topic of our prayers. Every prayer we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy are you. We glorify you. Kind of the theme of the prayer. Father, glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Jesus is standing in the shadow of the cross. It hasn't occurred yet, but it's near. And he knows that uh, uh, the work that the Father has sent him to do in redemption, in going to the cross, and dying for the sins of those that, John 17, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, the Father has given him is ultimately for the glory of God. It's not even ultimately for them. They benefit. Oh, how we benefit. But it's not about us. It's about the glory of the Father. And Jesus is praying as we come to the, the culmination of this eternal plan of salvation. It's always been about your glory. And now, Father, glorify your Son that in the cross, which is where we bring about the work of redemption, bringing the, these souls that you claimed in eternity past to you, that it would fulfill what we intended, to glorify you. Not that it would be taken and they would make much of themselves but they would glorify You. He's praying, Father, I pray that in my death it would fulfill what we accomplish, that it would glorify Your holiness. It would glorify Your kindness, Your graciousness, Your mercy, Your grace, Your love, Your faithfulness to Your promises. Father, glorify Yourself as You glorify me in this. How is... How does the Father glorify the Son? And thus, how do we glorify the Son in our prayers, in our worship, in our lives? We saw last week focusing just simply in verse 4. I glorified you on earth having accomplished, I'm sorry, going to uh, verse 3 in 17. You have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Last week, the focus of our prayers was glorifying Christ for his sovereignty. The Father has given the Son authority and power over all flesh, over all of life. He's king. He's ruler. He's sovereign. But not just that. What Jesus is, is, what Jesus is asking the Father to glorify Him for is not just that He's sovereign, but He's sovereign over what? Look at verse 3 again. Verse 2 again, you have given him authority over all flesh to what? To give eternal life to all whom you have given him. We glorify Christ because he's sovereign, yes, but more so, he's sovereign over our salvation. He's sovereign. 
The Father has given him authority to give eternal life to all that the Father has given him. And what is eternal life? Well, he answers that for us in verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There he lays out that the work of God in this life of a soul is not simply the transfer of a, a soul from eternal death to eternal life. That's a byproduct. The essential work of God in the life of a soul is to turn a soul from bitter hatred of God to knowing God, loving God, worshiping God. Is that not why we're here? That's why we're here. If you're here for any other reason, I pray that over the course of the morning, God may stir in our soul and give us that heart that we desperately need. We're here to make much of Christ because he's the reason we're here. He's sovereign over our lives. Well, he goes on in verse four. There's another reason for the father to glorify the son. This verse four, our, this focus our morning, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus is worthy of glory because the Father sent him to the world for a purpose. We're going to be talking about that this morning in John 3. God sent him to earth for a purpose, and guess what Christ did? He nailed it. Literally, from start to finish, he did exactly what was necessary. That for the glory of God, these who the Father claimed would be saved unto him. And it was no small thing. In order for, for Christ to fulfill all that the Father needed Him to do for the redemption of His people, Christ had to do everything that Adam and Eve failed to do, everything that all of humanity failed to do, everything that you and I have failed to do. Christ had to keep the law perfectly. Perfectly. Not just in His active obedience, but also the intention of His heart. Remember what we say over and over, God is not looking at the external, He's looking at the internal. It's not even good. It can be sin to do the right thing and to do it for a reason other than for the glory of God. Let that massive burden fall on your shoulders. You can do the right thing and it still be sin. You can obey and it still be sin. Why? Because God's looking at the heart. And the intent of the heart must be love for God, glory of God. His glory he doesn't share with another, right? In order for the work of God in the life of a soul to be accomplished, Christ had to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Yes, keep the law, but keep the law with the perfect intent of the soul. Everything that I do, Jesus said, is for the Father. It's by the Father. It's for the Father. I do nothing of my own counsel, of my own will, Jesus says. It's all about Him. Which one of us can claim that? None of us. This is why, as we gather together, Jesus is worthy of glory in our prayers. He obeyed when we couldn't. He obeyed perfectly. And he even went to the cross and died for us. Jesus is praying this prayer even before he went to the cross. Because the work of the cross is so sure, so certain. He will accomplish it. He can claim it as though it's already occurred. And because of who Christ is and what he's done, God's people must glorify the Son. God's people must. Paul writes this in Philippians 2. 
that because of Jesus' obedience to the Father, even to the point of death, death on a cross, Philippians 2, 10 and 11, he begins it this way. Because of that, therefore, what? God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is greater than any name, that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, that every knee would bow and tongue confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 